0: Thanks heaps to Huckleberry, your organic grocer, who believe in organics for everyone. Head into your local Huckleberry to make the most of their weekly specials or shop online at huckleberry.co.nz.
1: Kia ora and welcome to How to Save the World. My name is Tim Batt. And I'm Waveney Worth. And today we are doing something uh, a little bit different. We are taking questions from you and attempting to answer them Uh, Based on things that you specifically want to know about and have let us know, we ran a little competition on our Facebook page, Fun, fun. um, giving away the 2040 movie, 2040 The Regeneration. I'm pretty confident that's the title of the film.
0: I think you got that right.
1: (laughs) So I'm not reading from a piece of paper, so I could have that slightly wrong. Great doco that Wave and I got to see. Thanks, Um,
0: Ecotricity, actually. They had an awesome pre-screening a couple of weeks ago
1: and it's awesome it's a great docker if you can track it down because it takes a positive frame for how the future could look using technologies that already exist in the world today so it's not going we have to invent a whole bunch of stuff we have to create some new elemental Mm. mineral that doesn't exist it's like no no we've actually got these solutions we just need to run at them um
0: And I appreciated that there were actually some jokes in this climate change movie. A bit of levity, because it
1: was made by an Aussie. And thanks to Madman Entertainment, who's the distributor, because they hooked us up with the copies to give away. Yeah, it was awesome. So based on that, we asked you to get in touch with questions you want us to answer and give away some copies.
0: And congratulations to our winners, Inderjeet, Storm, Trish, and Jennifer. Well done. Fantastic questions. We're going to be able to get to answer some of your questions today.
1: We had a lot. We had... Way more than I thought we were going to get. Yes. Which was great.
0: We were not expecting that, actually. (laughs) We're like, oh, we're going to answer all of your questions next Monday. But I think um, it's going to take us a wee while to... Especially some of the questions are almost episodes in themselves. So this week we thought we'd focus on um, a couple of big themes that came through which were people asking about with climate change and with everything being so dire how can we um, find support or um, communicate, yeah, communicate. how do we get others on board um, and then the other big thing which we won't get to today but I think we'll, we'll do a, a pod on it which would be um, legislation. Yes. And people, heaps of people asking about um, what can the government do? How could our legislation be different?
1: We do have some guests uh, coming up on our calendar at various levels of, of national and local government who are going to come on the show and talk to us about that as well. So we're going to get the good oil from the true experts. Excellent. Um, so should we rip into it, Wave?
0: Yeah, um, let's do it. So. Oh,
1: by the way, I will just mention... Uh, th- Thank you to everyone who submitted the questions. And if you haven't liked, please join our Facebook page because we send out links and do competitions and stuff. So it's facebook.com/slash how to save the world.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, you might miss out because this this comp was actually only a 10-hour competition, yeah. which was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, first question: we're, we're going to start with a little cluster of questions. Um, a lot of people were asking how to get others on board. And um, Sophie said about. Um, How can we create and hold everyday lunch break type conversations with people who don't already think about climate change impacts or about minimising their emissions? Um, And then she's particularly asking about um, not just talking to people that are already engaged, but how to really start widening those conversations with people who aren't engaged, which is a really good question. It's something I ask myself a lot, which is why I'm doing this podcast, actually. It's about trying to... Bridge that. It's like, yes, you can have those conversations with people who are already engaged, but yeah, how do we get out and get beyond that to people who might have been aware of it uh, and might care on some level but haven't really engaged? Any thoughts, Tim?
1: Yes. I did a little research because I wanted to hear from you, Wave, but also from some other experts, for I am not one in this field. (laughs) Um, So there's this really cool woman called Jess Thompson, who's an American professor who teaches uh, public relations, new media, and environmental responsibility, and uh, she's got a great TED talk, which is where I got these, these tips from. She became really fascinated with this problem. Um, a while ago, over 10 years ago, and dug into the core problem of communication around climate change and sustainability and environmentalism. So she went through a bit of a meta-analysis of um, mainly communication research that already existed and then did a whole bunch of her own as well. And from that, she derived a few key things that I will share with you now. Thank you, Tim. Uh, The first is that the language of scientists is not the language of regular people.
0: Ah, mean.
1: So this has been a big, tricky disconnect um, that has been happening for years and years, because the information that we receive is coming to us from scientists, but... We kind of need to synthesize the information a little bit and turn it into a story that's going to be relevant for people and connect with them. Um, So the examples that she used was, you know, scientists will use the word aerosol and then we hear spray can. And it's not actually a one-to-one. It's not fully correct. But Mm. scientists are using very specific language. When a scientist says uncertainty, we hear ignorance or a Mm, bit wrong but that's not what it means in the scientific community so we need to sort of um go to pains to try and decode a little bit and act as rosetta stones between the information that the scientists give us and the science language that they have to use when they're doing academic research and turn it into like usable information for us.
0: And finding, like, I guess, life hacks because not every person is that Rosetta Stone and it's like finding people who are doing it and totally. being able to connect in with them.
1: She referenced in particular um, the Rocky Mountain National Park in America and in 2009, um, John McCain, who was a senator for the Republicans, he passed away this, this year, um, he went there and uh saw firsthand the huge detrimental effect that climate change was having on the forest um he i think he was there for a summit and he did a walk around with some of the um like forest rangers, and they took him through all of the changes that were happening to the trees and stuff and it based on like it took him that firsthand Mm. being able to really touch and feel what was happening to actually get it and then he, you know, he, he changed his opinion a lot from where he was sitting before and where the rest of his party was on climate change. So the four tips that uh, Jess, this researcher, this uh, academic put out was know who you are talking to and what they care about. Connect uh, what they care about with climate change. Use the power of social groups and lead with solutions Ooh. yeah so I think all four of those are pretty good and reasonably self-explanatory
0: yeah I think um it's about and actually the, the next question we're going to get to is uh, from Jennifer who's actually one of our winners um, on the basis that she got the, the most number of likes um, and her question was just simply how can we talk to climate change deniers in a positive and helpful way and I think it's really very similar um, question and I guess set of answers as well and it kind of comes down to that listening you know how we, we usually talk waiting sorry usually listen waiting just to be able to talk like the other person's moving their lips and you're going yep waiting 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 oh now it's my turn yeah and it's like when you've particularly when you're wanting to convince someone i think you're very much likely to be in that mode and to be able to just listen like really genuinely listen without an agenda and this is a kicker to be ready to change your mind yeah like I think if we're going into a conversation believing that there's absolutely nothing that that person can say that's going to change our mind that's really irritating and it's it it's a it isn't probably a great way to win hearts and minds like oh, I mean wonderful if someone wanted to convince me that climate change wasn't real you know let's have a go yeah it, it's it's just it's about being I guess, and the other thing is, is feeling like this is somehow about logic, which I—that is my default. I'll always assume that this conversation can be logically won, and probably that's just not what's going on at all. It's probably like. Some genuine fear that people have and there's probably some genuine blocks uh, that have got nothing to do with the logic of what you're saying. Yeah. And so then I guess, I don't know, it's empathy. Just, again, taking that time to listen, building relationships. I think I find that there's this um, push from myself and lots of other people I hang out with to scale. Always looking at how can we scale. Um, But the sort of change that we're talking about is just relational.
1: That is a really powerful and good, like, not s- sideways, but sort of, it's a more tangential answer than I would have expected. But From me. you're so right. <laughs> yeah. Well, just around, like, listening to the person, hearing mm, them out. Mm hmm being open to the fact that they may have some information that you don't, that you could learn something from this conversation mm, that you might mm, be wrong with some of mm, your assumptions mm, as well.
0: Mm, yeah. And the other, the actually the first thing that came to mind with this, going back to that lunch break conversation thing, as I thought, gosh, it's awkward, isn't it? Like that kind of the evangelist type salesperson thing where you're just sitting eating your sandwiches, but you're actually desperately trying to find this angle to, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, skew a conversation to sell a thing. And, it is awkward and I just thought well actually so much of it is not about what we say. It's about what we do yeah, and, and what we seem to be doing and then it's about what's normal. Like the shopping bag thing was something that stuck out for me so much how years and years of me taking my shopping bags and looking around me and nobody else is doing it and actually feeling quite like us versus them just feeling so frustrated that nobody else is taking it on board asking people like friends are meaning not strange strangers <laughs> why why they don't knock on doors excuse yeah. me do you have
1: a moment to talk yeah. about yeah. our shopping, shopping bag?
0: bags and realizing that it's people are already engaged but they just forget or it's just not their habit and all these things that that um you think, gosh, people are never going to change because they've already their hearts and minds are already convinced, but their habits haven't changed. And the key was when that legislation changed in New Zealand in is it June twenty nineteen. Then overnight, everybody just brought their bags, and suddenly it wasn't hard. And really, what happened was something went from being weird to normal. Um, so just wanted to do a wee shout out to Nikki Hare, who's a um, lecturer at Auckland University in the psychology department and she's written heaps of books one of them is psychology for a better world and in it she talks about all of this stuff about actually how you can create change through like positive stories or um, she talks about normalizing but she also talks about visual cues which I just wanted to give a little specific shout out to it's things like Instead of having that conversation at lunchtime, you have a keep cup. It's a visual cue. It's something that even if nothing is spoken, people see it. You know What you're doing is never in isolation. And a really cool one that she talks about is if you're biking, don't tie your bike helmet up on your bike. Take it with you. Put it, put it in your bag or on your desk, and and it's like people wouldn't know otherwise that yeah. you've biked. And if everybody's doing that, then suddenly you're like, oh, there's another person who's biked. Or so that for me, that was quite a cool little hack that is in the cool. office. Yeah,
1: that's great because then it normalises all of these things that you're doing for everyone else around you and. That sort of rising tide, lifting all boats thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: because it's just we're ju- we pack animals, right? We've said it before. Mm. It's it's So we kind of go into it thinking it's about logic or how can I frame this? And really, we're just pack animals and we're just going to follow the pack.
1: That's great. That's great advice. I do want to make a slight differentiation, and you may or may not agree with this, between people who are sort of climate deniers and bad faith and those people who are Less less persuaded right now, but kind of open to talk about it. Yeah, good. Um, So I just want to say this, because I think that this is important. We have a finite number of minutes on this earth and a finite amount of energy. (laughs) And I don't think anyone should take it upon themselves to make it their mission to evangelize to those who are steadfastly set on saying climate change is not man-made or does not exist I think you need to take your wins where you find them. And whilst you do need to hear people out and listen to what they have to say, I think you need to just keep in mind that you do have a finite amount of energy and where you're going to put that. I'm really big on that. So um, it, it's about choosing your battles. Like if you've got a, uh, for example, a News Talk ZB broadcaster who has made a career TV. on climate denying, you know, You could spend your entire life throwing facts and good narratives and emotional pleas at this person to pay attention to the science, and it's going to fall on deaf ears and you've wasted a lot of time and probably caused an infinite amount of frustration for yourself. Um, So, yeah, choose your battles a little bit and look after you – because that's about self-care a little bit and looking after yourself.
0: Well, Tim,
1: couldn't agree more. Okay, good.
0: Yeah, actually, that, so yeah, back to Jennifer's question about how can we talk to climate change deniers?
1: Yeah, I, the
0: first thing I would say is you
1: just don't need to bother. I think at this point,
0: like, you uh, know, yeah, and the, that's not always the case. And if she's asking this question, she's probably got a person in mind. Sure. She probably has some conversations with this person, looking for some quite specific tips. I think you know, with anything, if the if you're talking to a person who doesn't agree with you and they're not open then I personally don't bother. Some people do. Yeah. Great. But but then there are people and these are actually my favorite conversations where we do have really different opinions, but people are open. Both sides are open to actually listening. And when so when you've got that it's game on and that's quite a fun thing. Yeah. Um There is uh, John Cook, he's Australian, and I just wanted to mention him. He's got a YouTube channel, and he's actually kind of, this is what he does. It's his sort of life energy he's putting into, how can you respond to climate science denial? Um, He's got some really good um, videos on that, so really recommend checking out John Cook. Um, And then...
1: I think there's a real strength to coexisting around people who you know don't agree with you on everything as well Mm. so if you've got someone in your life who um if you are very passionate about sustainability and the environment and climate change which chances are if you're listening to us (laughs) you are somewhere on that spectrum and you've got someone close to you in your life who um doesn't believe it thinks it's all a crock of crap um i think there is some surprisingly strong uh Change that can happen simply by you existing alongside them and finding the common ground, and it doesn't mean you have to cede your position or agree with them when they talk about stuff that they, they um, you don't agree with around climate change. But if you it, you don't have to cut them out of your life either, you know. I think there's um, there's a lot of social movements that have happened over history where you've got to like project a bit of kindness into people who. <laughs> will end up being on the wrong side of history. But some people take a little bit longer than Mm -hmm. others Mm. to get there. Mm. So if you can just be around and Mm. be there and you don't have to slam them over the head every day because that's Mm. not going to get anyone anywhere Mm. and it'll just ruin your relationships. But if you establish that you're at loggerheads about the climate stuff, I would suggest maybe don't... You don't need to keep bringing it up all the time. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a very good suggestion. Find enjoy your Christmas.
1: Find where the common ground is. Try and enjoy each other's company, and it it doesn't mean you have to agree with them on on everything.
0: You know what common ground often is? It's often around family, like yeah. talking about your kids or whatever. Totally. It's like I've got a family member who I had. This is not my immediate family; it's wider family who. I had no idea what his views were on things until we became Facebook friends a couple of years ago. i blocked him now (laughs) because it was just too intense. Um, uh, We just disagreed on everything, and he was very opinionated and Mm -hmm. quite aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was sort of quite scared to see him again at the next family function, Mm. thinking that it was going to be awkward. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was just the same old person who I've always liked and always connected to. And I thought, wow, what is going on here? What's the difference? And I sort of analysed the conversation on Facebook. It was all about our worldviews and how we thought left versus right, climate change versus denial, um, you know, Trump versus Obama. And then offline, it's just a completely different conversation family, health, um, jobs, struggles, yeah. um, and it's, it's connecting with it humanized Anyway, i probably just teaching Jennifer to suck eggs at this point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did find an article on a website called impactor.com, which is not spout how you'd think, but I'll put some uh, a link to it in the show notes. Um, I'll get into this briefly and then we'll move on. But I actually prefer the tips we've given so far, which is just <laughs> maybe you don't, at awesome. this point, don't engage. But... Uh, what they have said is when you're talking to a climate denier don't talk about climate if it feels like you're not getting anywhere trying to have a conversation about climate then don't talk about it rather than talking about something that feels intangible like a two degree change in temperature or rising sea levels by 2050 talk about extreme weather or the recent natural disasters and events we're observing tropical disasters are spreading the ocean is acidifying and groundwater and soil are depleting hurricanes, droughts floods and forest fires are becoming more frequent stronger and costlier both financially and for the environment so i guess that's about going hey look at this newspaper here's five mm. things that are happening which are pretty freak actually, events yeah
0: thanks for the reminder because that's a tactic that i actually use a lot where i don't talk about climate change i'll mm-hmm. talk about which is something that is happening and there's all sorts of variables uh i will talk about the stuff that is happening because mm. it's it's bad enough the fact that we're those extinction rates are through the roof yeah and, you know, that kind of stuff it's we don't really need to be trying to prove anything or trying to or try and warn people about what will happen in the future it's we can just stick with what we've got
1: the other thing that um, this impactor article mentioned was um connecting it with pain points, which I'm not a huge fan of that wording, (laughs) but I think they mean relevant stuff to the person you're talking to. So they say, once you've agreed on some of the basic facts surrounding extreme weather, connect these to relatable pain points that a denier might experience. Talking about global impacts can be intimidating, so make it relatable. Everyone has an example of local changes in weather or has experienced a recent natural disaster. Connect it with impacts on their everyday life, both in their work and personal lives. Hmm. So... um choose your path there folks but for me personally i think it's very much about remembering to pick your battles and that Mm, you've only got so many hours mm, in the day so how are you going to spend them
0: another little thing i'm just going to throw in there is that for some of us we might not realize how much our thinking is colored by that left versus right political spectrum and when we're thinking we're just talking about something neutral like what's happening with the climate, we're actually using quite lefty language. Mm. That is just... Um,
1: it becomes very loaded and emotive yeah, very quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, like, that will colour who we, what we think the solutions are. Like whether you think business is essentially the problem or essentially the solution or yeah. whether you think government should be taking a, 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 a step back just to let business solve the problems or... Do you know uh, what's and, funny
1: that I've just realised? Our two solutions are... Be a really good open listener or do not listen whatsoever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move
1: on. (laughs) Well, I'll just resolve that. I I think a better way of of, um, putting that, what I should have said is, it's about keep an open mind with these things and the people you're talking to and be a good listener because that's being a good talker. Mm. Um, And also just reserve your right to do not engage. (laughs) It's not up to you to engage with everyone all the time. Yeah. Okay.
0: Have we got time for one more in this communication space? (laughs) Why
1: not? It's our (laughs) podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Vanessa said, my question is what can I do to help people who are stressed and feeling hopeless about climate change, its effect on the economy and all of the other reasons they may be experiencing inertia, preventing them from making changes to feel more hopeful and involved with tackling climate change in our future? Any thoughts, Tim?
1: I found a great piece on a website called grist.org, um, which I think exists to try and sort of rally political support to get environmental changes made. Uh, this was a piece written by Eve Andrews, who is E E F Andrews on Twitter. Oh, actually, no, it's spelled real weird. It's in the show notes, folks, if you <laughs> want to follow her. But she's great. It was just, it was such a well written piece. She's done a lot of research, she's talked to a whole bunch of therapists about um, climate anxiety. And she just speaks with a bit of humor thrown in there as well. It was a really great read. So I'd recommend it. There'll be a link in the show notes for the sep. Cool. This ep. cool. Um, so, the first thing that Eve does is she describes anxiety briefly. She writes, There is some nebulous peril looming. You don't know what it is, but you know you're supposed to be doing things to avert it, and you're not doing any of them. You sit and you fret, and the weight of your inaction gets heavier and heavier. And I think that's a really great, broad, yeah. global description awesome. of anxiety. Yeah. So, she has a few suggestions. Um, my favorite is to find a little focus for yourself. Find where your career or your interests intersect with a particular part of climate change and start doing something in that space where those two things intersect, your interests or your vocation and, and sustainability.
0: I think this is really similar to the themes we've had running through the show around just doing something. Yes. like Because we, we, it keeps coming up. How, when you feel hopeless or overwhelmed, how can you combat it? it? Even so many of our guests have just brought it up. Just do something. So it's about even if you can help the, these people just to facilitate, like you say, a really small change, something, anything.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't have to be... This can be a little stranger than you think as well. In the, in the article, um, I'll, I'll read what's written here. Courtney Madison, for example, creates insanely beautiful sculptures of corals. The idea that the uninitiated observer might see, say, a ceramic recreation of a brain coral and think... What a good thing that is. I don't want that to die. And that's how she's taken, chosen Mm -hmm. to take on climate change. Courtney, this is the artist now. Courtney says, I do privately vent and complain and tear my hair out. Madison uh, says, when I ask how she keeps pushing forward, but then I get it, uh, but then I get it together and think about what it will be, what will be productive in terms of inspiring change. So she's really like, personalized and internalized what is it that she's passionate about she's an artist she's a sculptor and she's got this um, passion of wanting to communicate or do something with sustainability. And she's found a way to merge those two things.
0: I reckon there's two things in that. One is take the globalness out of it. That yeah. Anything on that scale, the scale that we're in is overwhelming and just do a thing. I think it is so legitimate because there's millions of us. We all just do a thing. Yeah. And the other is taking the perfectionism out of it. Absolutely. That that. that, that freak out of oh my gosh we're all going to hell in a handbasket what, what's Mac the best yesterday. thing i can do Good, well i Tim. went to
1: mcdonald's because i was out of time so and I was that's like, meat i need a lot and of, it's mcdonald's i need a lot of calories really quickly before i go into this two-hour session where i'm gonna have to deliver for a while Yeah, look and so i went to mcdonald's i know and okay. i have to admit that i have also
0: been in mcdonald's in the last two months yeah because I saw a sustainability message on their their wall, and so when I tried to talk to my sustainability <laughs> friends about it, mm. they were like, oh, "What were you doing at McDonald's?" <laughs> so oh, yeah, true. But no, okay. So yeah, let's not try and be perfect. Yeah, yeah.
1: You d- yeah. So don't do that. Nothing. Nothing good comes of perfectionism. Um, it's about what it, the alternative to perfectionism is. It's about. Imp- it's constant, constant improvement is the opposite. It's about just making things gradually oh, improving, yeah, yeah. going in a, in, a, in a good direction. Mm. Obama, you brought him up. He talked about that all the time. Mm. He's saying how, you know, because being in charge of the American government is such a slow moving beast. But his goal was always moving the football slowly mm. down the other end of the field. That was this whole thing, yeah. Just slowly making sure it's moving in the right direction. And
0: it, well, there's there's another aspect of that is this. This is a very complex problem. So it just as part of the territory of, of you, I don't think anyone can agree on the very best thing, the very best thing to do, or the very best yeah. tactic, very best approach, method, de- design. And whereas with all of us, all just doing the thing that we're most passionate about, taking some steps in the right direction. Um, it's a great workaround for a complicated problem as like a very multifaceted range of solutions
1: and it also means there's no wrong answers to this it's such a big anamorphous issue that whatever you do is going to be the right answer if you're doing something to benefit it's the right answer
0: can you remember the question that we we're answering
1: yeah because i wrote it down um it was about uh, anxiety and not feeling hopeless about climate change and stressed.
0: Yes, we're nailing that.
1: <laughs> were you checking where we were still talking about? <laughs> yeah, the I was like, oh, up? we're still talking
0: about the All same right. thing. All right. Should we talk about the next little question, which is quite different to the ones we've just been talking about? Yes. Plant-based diet.
1: Yes. That's over to you, my friend. Okay. So Emily has written, hey, Waveney and Tim, how do you switch to a plant-based diet and still make sure you're getting all the nutrients you need? Uh, How do you switch
0: to a plant-based diet, Tim?
1: It's a great question. So I um, did a little bit of research before I jumped in. And I'll just say that the, the overarching point is it's all about habit. So you've just got to create an easy way to make sure you're getting the stuff you're missing out on. So I'll be really specific with this. When I did my research, and my wife's a doctor, so I got to ask, um, you know, what stuff am I going to miss out on? She knew a little bit about it, and I've got some friends who are dietitians, so I hit them up as well. Uh, the big ones that you miss out on when you go to a plant-based diet, generally, are B12, zinc, iron, and omega-3. Those are the biggies. So what I did is I was like, what's the easiest way for me to make sure I'm getting those on a regular basis? And what I do now is I just make a smoothie in the morning. And in that smoothie, there is um, some ice cubes, (laughs) (laughs) some frozen berries. And that's really just to make it taste nice. Um, I've got uh, hemp powder, which has got a lot of protein in it. And a whole bunch of chia seeds, which have got omega, copper, zinc, phosphorus, calcium and antioxidants in them.
0: Do you soak the chia seeds?
1: Nah, should I?
0: I think so.
1: Okay, cool. Or well, maybe I should start doing that. But this is why I like this thing. Is it's so easy. So I just bought all these things and I make sure I always have them in the cupboard and the fridge and I just put them all together. It takes me five minutes and I'm covered. So that's
0: awesome. So you've to, to get these things that you're missing... Okay, you're, so
1: I've got a, So there's a banana. There's a whole banana in there. There's coconut yogurt. Um, and there's a specific one I buy that's got like the good kind of bacteria in it. Yep. Ooh, what is it called? Probiotic. <laughs> okay, cool. Um... Very easy to find in supermarkets now. didn't used to be. Um, so banana, coconut yogurt, chia seeds, hemp powder, um, and uh, the the key ingredient is Floridex. That's the specific thing what that I get. What is so Floridex? Floridex? is a liquid. It's, ca- it's, um, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, unfortunately, but you only take about 10 or 15 mils at a time and it's completely plant-based it's made from herbs and plants um there's no animal products whatsoever but it's got um omega-3 and a lot of b vitamins particularly b12 in it and iron importantly so that just tops up the things that you're kind of most vulnerable of missing out on when you adopt a vegan diet and, uh, yeah, so that's what I did. I'm just like, I just I have this smoothie every morning, and I know that I'm pretty much covered. So the rest of the day, I don't have to, like, stress about yeah, yeah. stuff. I can just eat because I'm hungry, but there's, I don't have to think too much.
0: There's this thing about breakfasts that's quite interesting. Apparently, in the morning, for, for some evolutionary reason, we're really into routine.
1: Huh? But that's and not the case with other. No,
0: no. You look at dinners. If we had the same thing every night for dinner, we'd be offended. True. And, and with whereas with breakfast, we actually want the same thing yeah. every day. Because so I did the same thing a few years ago. I'd read that like, like oats and seeds and nuts and all these things were you know really good, and I yeah. they were basically missing from my diet. And I tried to incorporate a few tried to incorporate them into my diet regularly through salads and all these different things and in the end I just gave up and just started having muesli in the morning because yeah. then I could it was a habit yeah, and then it was sorted. exactly the same as what you're talking about is done
1: some people are foodies some people and, and I enjoy cooking but I like I just don't have a lot of time to buy recipe books and learn new meals and all yeah, that kind of stuff yeah. so I just need some basic things where I know that you know the basic nutritional stuff is covered and so that smoothie really is the thing where I get all the bases covered yeah it sounds really awesome just eating normal stuff but also I'm not a dietitian and I would (laughs) (laughs) just like to point that out and one thing that I definitely need to eat more of is nuts Mm. I'm just not a huge fan of them but they've got a lot of good stuff um particularly omega-3 that you miss out on when you go vegan so I need to find ways of getting them in the diet hmm
0: I like nuts. They're a good uh, zero waste snack for me, actually. Nuts.
1: They can be expensive though, as well. Yeah. A little bit.
0: Get to your local organic food co-op then. Yeah,
1: true that. Good point. It's just around the corner.
0: This episode of How to Save the World is brought
1: to you by Huckleberry. Huckleberry are your organic grocer and believe in organics for everyone.
0: That's why they're committed to offering a wide range of affordable, certified organic produce and groceries.
1: You can go to your local Huckleberry and make the most of the weekly specials, or shop online from the convenience of your wherever the heck you are where you're online, which could be anywhere. That's
0: a convenient place. It
1: is. Just go to huckleberry.co.nz. That's H-U-C-K-L-E berry.co.nz. Next question.
0: Okay. Do you want
1: me to read it? I've got it in front yes. of me. Yes. Uh, sometimes it can be quite daunting when you're working in these spaces. It can feel like a battle you can't win. So what kind of self-care or pickups help people keep on with the good fight? From Sam.
0: Lei, Sam.
1: Good question.
0: And shall we just fire through a couple of other questions because they're very similar and I think we can sort of cluster them. We've got Ricky Lee who also mentions um, information on climate change but the second half of her question says, "I I feel alone in this even though I'm not. I'm the only person in my social circle taking this seriously and it's causing a lot of problems with anxiety, resulting in lack of sleep and feelings of helplessness. Surely I'm not the only one struggling with these things hearing you ricky lee and then justine who mentions that where should i start with justine
1: hang on can i just speak to yeah. ricky lee's one specifically okay, while sure. you do that yeah um so if, if it is at a point where you are um experiencing you know bad things in your life like a lack of sleep or anxiety that's sticking around reach out to mm-hmm. a professional because that is literally what they're there to help you with So that is absolutely a case um, with the stuff that's going on, Ricky Lee, where it's actually having a negative impact on your life, um, where there's going to be some people who'll be able to help you through that. So, I mean, generally speaking, best port of call initially is a GP. Um, Some are better than others, but they are a great hub of resources to be able to connect you with uh, maybe a counsellor, maybe a therapist, maybe some other solutions, um, that can be effective in helping you but if it is having a detrimental impact that's when you need to chuck your hand up and go actually I need some help with this nice.
0: yep um, and then the third question is from Justine who says my my, my patai is how do you maintain hope and faith that we can get through this and how can I communicate this with my teenagers who are struggling to imagine a positive future on a healthy planet so this little these this threesome of questions is really all about people looking for self-care or support or hope um yeah so any thoughts
1: i well, i'm freeballing this one i didn't do research so i'm just speaking off, off from the, the top heart. of the dome um but i would say find some like-minded people that are around you easier
0: said than done sometimes
1: yeah i do But no,
0: really yeah absolutely i, I
1: do get that um but I think these community groups as well are becoming more numerous and more like public. They're really popping up. So I mean, Facebook's a great place to start, or Google. Um, but the notice board at your local supermarket may have some stuff on there. Yeah, it could be beach cleaning groups or community gardens.
0: Or community gardens! That's a really that's a really nice one. That's what I was wondering with Ricky Lee's question specifically as well as where does she live? Um, because yeah. that's kind of. Uh, the crux of that question. Um, without knowing that, assuming she's in New Zealand, mm. um, you've got Live Lightly in Auckland, um, 350.org, massive, international, and there's um, so 350 Aotearoa, um, and Generation Zero. And then Environment Hubs Aotearoa, I thought was a good one as well, who I've mentioned before. They are really a cluster of environment centres, and so you could use that website to find your local environment centre. And once you've got that, even if there isn't one that's really close to you, you could still reach out to whoever is closest and just ask them if they know of groups in your area.
1: There's also, no matter how remotely you're living, if you are getting this podcast, that means you've got the internet. And if you've got the internet, you can affect change because you can send uh, letters to politicians and you can put your name on petitions for bits of legislation that are coming up. So Greenpeace are a really good organizing force for this. They make the tools as easy as possible for you to put your uh, your name to something that's going to parliament um, to inform politicians that you care about this thing and you support a proposed piece of legislation. Um, there's other groups as well, but Greenpeace is just probably the most visible, well-set-up uh, one that exists around. Um, and the, the, the I've got a more kind of existential... No, is that the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? A kind of intangible idea that fits over this whole thing, which is just to remember, like why we're so stressed out about the planet going to heck, which is that the planet rules and humans rule. So keep that in the forefront of your brain, that the reason everyone's getting so stressed out is that humans are really amazing and we're at risk of of losing some stuff. So you should be going and experiencing all those incredible things. So Hmm, like, go and enjoy some art, some music, some live comedy, go to a movie, hang out with your friends. Mm, This mm. is stuff that Radar was talking about as well. I think you've... With all of the huge um, social movements and big changes that have happened, they've, generally speaking, been led by happy warriors, people who know that the reason we're fighting so hard is because there's this really cool vision that we're fighting for, and we're surrounded by good stuff, and the reason we're freaking out is that we are at risk of losing it, so... Mm. Go and enjoy some of it to remind yourself and top yourself back up.
0: Yeah, that's good, Tim. And I think, you know, do you remember when we had Sophie Hanford here, leader of the School yeah. Strike for Climate Change NZ? And now a councillor. Yes. Yeah, do you remember when she was saying that she felt like she couldn't take time off to have a picnic yeah. or whatever with her mates, um, which uh, is just so hard uh, to hear, especially when I feel really comfortable doing that. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think we—it's a hard message. If you're in that space, it's—it's it's a really hard message to hear. But really, you have to prioritize yourself. And I think I think that's particularly hard for women, and also for millennials. Two groups that seem to have some statistical correlations with giving and prioritizing others first, mm. um, and being just very high in empathy and finding it quite hard to know or well, when when is it okay to give back to myself. Um, yeah, so I'd say, when is it okay? It's always okay.
1: Yeah, hear us when we say that. Mm. Go and do something fun.
0: Yeah, so the other interesting part of this is, I don't know where you're at, Tim, but oh, there was some really cool research I read a, a few years ago that we've all got these different natural dispositions, kind of like for a happy, sad setting. And so if you imagine on a scale of zero to ten, where ten's just euphoric all of the time, and one is just chronically depressed. um Regardless of what happens to us in life, like good news, bad news, we've, we've, our natural setting isn't all just five. We've actually all like your natural setting and mine and everybody's. It's all just slightly different, and it's kind of, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, those people that are always kind of a bit. Up, but yeah. in your face, but sort of speak a bit more loudly or whatever. It's like their natural setting, they're just regular rest sort of setting. Is they're probably a little bit more positive and upbeat. They've got a few more of those endorphins running through them all the time,
1: or they're good at faking it.
0: Oh, sure, but there are some people out there who are naturally a bit happier than others, and there's yeah. others who are just set a bit sadder. That's just the, the way that their particular chemical makeup goes, and so I think that. Some of this is just where you're actually at personally and that it's actually okay to be um, on any range of that spectrum.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is. And we're getting into slightly more sort of psychology stuff now. But Well, it does feed into particularly a lot of the questions that we've had for this episode. But it is okay to be sad and stressed out and anxious it's not um helpful or good for yourself to stay in that but you can acknowledge that those feelings are happening for you and then talk about them and get some help Mm. um but yeah some people exist in a a slightly um lower energy setting Mm. than others Mm. some of us are winnie the pooh and some of us are eeyore and some of us are tigger some are tiggers and that's okay what are you uh Christopher Robin, I reckon. Oh, Check, oh
0: that's cute. Checking in
1: every now and then. Oh. You know, not too up. I'm not Tigger. I'm not Eeyore.
0: That's really cute.
1: <laughs> Who are you? I'm a Tigger. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You're a good Tigger. <laughs>
0: um, I've got a couple of other things in this space that are actually a little bit left field and they're things that have been personal for me. Kind of headspace shifts that I've intentionally walked through. Um, around how can you find hope? How can you keep on? Um, how can you not let this get? get, How can you not let this get you down? Um, and okay, so here here are some of my not weird, but a little bit sort of slightly different views, I guess I've got on things. So one is to take the million year view or the multiple million year view.
1: The what of you? Sorry,
0: the the million year view. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> this th- was
1: a brand new word.
0: <laughs> um, million
1: year view. Yeah, the
0: million year view. So, um, we do have very short timeframes, um, and and we've just got the most beautiful world around us right now, full of mammals, basically cute, furry mammals that we love. Um, the the dinosaur era and the the. What are the little cells that just float around in petri dishes? Amoebas. Amoebas, that's the word. <laughs> uh, and the amoeba era, like they're not quite as emotionally appealing to us. And so we are very emotionally attached to what we have right now on planet Earth. But it is just a phase that we're passing through. And if we do manage to completely cock this up and manage to have a... a, a complete extinction event or a world that is just so different, like the oceans collapse and the air is hard to breathe and nothing's beautiful or pretty anymore. There there is that kind of Dalai Lama type. So what? Like you, rather than fearing that Mm. just imagine that it will happen, that it has happened. And then what? It's like, is it really the end of everything? Mm. Um, this is I I feel like this is a really controversial thing to say. Um I'm sure I'm making some people angry, but there'll be others who can bizarrely find hope in that. Yeah. Because it's kind of if, if I think you, it's
1: disarming if you're trapped in a yeah. super stuck, anxious state just, about this. It is a good idea to throw at your brain.
0: Yeah, just to sort of say, look, if this does happen, it happens. So what? Um yes, it's really sad on a human emotional level um, that all of the individual organisms involved are probably just living their lives. And they're a very similar sort of way to the, whenever, whenever an organism faces death, it's just the same sort of a process. Mm. Um,
1: I find that really useful. That feels very like disarming for me and in a weird way, inspirational to like get the fight going.
0: Yes, because it, it, just, that's it the sort thing. of it, it quashes those thoughts of yeah. this
1: is the absolute end of existence of everything in the universe. It's like this is. It's um, never the end. <laughs> we are in a constant state of flux, and yeah. this is another. Yeah, state we've already change. been
0: through five, four or five major extinction events. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know a really hard case one was after plants started to evolve and then what do plants do they create oxygen and so that's where all of the oxygen in the atmosphere comes from actually it's from plants and so suddenly there was this for the first time this um aerobic environment and so there was a mass extinction event from all of the anaerobic beings because they were the only things that had actually managed to evolve and live prior to this um, new environment with oxygen so the plants were actually responsible for the first major extinction event where they basically created a completely toxic (laughs) environment we don't (laughs) want to point
1: people towards burning more (laughs) tires and gas and stuff but it is i think a good disarming thought for people who I kind of stuck in a state mm, of anxious mm, mm, fear and, mm, and inaction. Mm. So um, yeah, entertain that thought, and then I reckon you know, yeah,
0: move on. Don't get, do, get back on don't the bicycle, and, and yeah. maybe don't. Even though I just have, don't share it with everyone <laughs> 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 because it is, it does feel like it's a personal thing. Um, it's ju- it's not necessarily something that works to go around. Just saying to everyone oh you don't need to worry about this it's yeah, because actually of course um it's a balance where we need to find the hope that is the thing that motivates us to carry on yeah. creating change
1: the big thing about um talking about all that the different phases that the earth has been through is that we've got a incredible, an incredible and incredible diversity of life on the planet and that's the thing that I think we need to try everything that we can to protecting. Mm, absolutely. There's a real intrinsic value to the incredible diversity of life. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's why we're doing this, yeah. I think. Yeah, totally. Um,
0: Last look, point on that, Tim. Yeah. Um, for, again, a personal thing for me is, and again, it's kind of a, a controversial thing in some ways, is to take the morals out of it. Because I think we spend a lot of, energy, getting upset or angry at people who are denying it or making it worse. Um, and if, if you can, that's a goodie, just to take the morals out of it, not to see those people as doing bad things, which is pretty horrendous is uh, interesting. in some cases. But if, so it's
1: about the challenge is, okay, they're not a villain. Oh well, I'm yeah, going like, to put that to yep, one side. Yep. This is about going, the challenge is how do we change the system and it could be the laws or the businesses or the whatever like yep. what do we need to do what what cogs do we need to turn yep.
0: a bit, exactly it frees you up to be able to start thinking those things and it frees you up to be able to engage with people mm. very genuinely um yeah. if you're engaging with people seeing them as a villain um very hard to affect change but so for me it's been about looking back to human nature mm-hmm. and what is our human nature where have we come from and we have this Huge trajectory of change and pushing for change and improvement and survival of the fittest and efficiency of movement of everything, which is all we're doing, and to suddenly, suddenly now, this generation for the first time in our entire history, like tens of thousands of years or whatever more, which depending on where you draw the line. Um, We've only had 30 years of us trying to put the brakes on and say, actually, hey, guys, this behavior of trying to extract the most, get the most is not helping. To suddenly slap a moral code on that and say, oh, this is terrible that this is what you guys are doing, It, it is a big call, actually, to say that or to see and perceive of people who are just doing what all organisms on Earth do, but we've just gotten a bit too good at it. So I found that really helpful, too, because somehow that just makes me less angry, which keeps me in more positive space, helps me find hope, helps me get into doing stuff.
1: Very cool. Well, that is the Q&A episode, edition number one. So, thank you very much to everyone who submitted your questions for that. We'll be doing more of these periodically as we go along. But it's always great to hear from you. Um, don't hesitate, you don't have to wait for one of these uh, episodes to come up. Just go to facebook.com/slash how to save the world and you can leave a comment or send us a private message on there. And uh, we're happy to to chat with you, either on or off the pod. With that, we'll catch you in the next episode. Wave, thanks for your research and insights. Thank you,
0: Tim. And, yeah, thanks, guys, for everyone who put those questions out. It was really cool. Just I felt like we were connecting with you more and getting to know you more, and that was awesome.
1: Catch you in the next one, folks. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to our podcast sponsor, Huckleberry. Find them online at huckleberry.co.nz for organic produce, whole food groceries, top-quality supplements, and sustainable home and personal care products delivered to your door.